Well, a couple of items before we get into the message today. First of all, we have the uh, we have a candle burning here for those of you who might be new with us today. One of the things that God has entrusted to us, probably the most important thing that God has entrusted to us is the gospel. And the gospel means good news, and it is probably the most amazing. I can't think of anything else that's more amazing than the gospel. That God has come to rescue us from death and to offer us life in him through his son, Jesus Christ. And so that's the message of all the things that we are stewards of. The gospel is the most important one. And so we, uh, we are challenged that the gospel, every week that we share that gospel, it's like the light of Christ is being offered to someone in our community. And uh, so did anyone this last week have a chance to uh, share the gospel? Because we, one, two, three, four. Okay, several people. Way to go. We're going to keep, uh, here's the deal. We keep the pet candle burning until we have a Sunday when no one shares the gospel. And you know that, I mean, that could happen. I'm not, I'm not saying we're bad people if we have to blow the candle out some Sunday. But it will remind us that, You know, every week the gospel gets shared, someone has the opportunity to respond to the gospel. And so uh, we will keep it burning again uh, through another Sunday morning. I want to mention just, too, a couple other things that are happening here. And sometimes there are things that the church is doing that we forget or we're not aware of. And I think it's just important to, to be reminded that you know, you, you, when you sow, you reap. And so I just want to mention a couple ministries that are going on. One is uh, we have invested, we started about three, four years ago, but we, we decided to join together with Good News and plan a church in the Philippines. And uh, we invested about $15,000 in that church plant. And uh, just an update on what's going on. It's called Hope Pinnacle. That, that church has kind of morphed a little bit, to, and God really led them to minister to high school students, and presently they're ministering to 250 to 320 students on seven campuses. They have about 30 to 80 students in private schools. They have 10 evangelistic Bible studies, and uh, they're starting to meet during the week, and they have about 50 people in attendance. So if you envision this, they're reaching out to a lot of students, and, and the goal is to try and reach the families of these students. And so they're, 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 they've asked us to pray that they would continue to expand. They want to double the attendance at their evangelistic Bible studies. They want a bigger facility. They will hold up to about 120 students and uh, pray that the parents of these students would be reached. So a great ministry going on in the Philippines right now as a result of the sowing of this church and that ministry. And then one other one, just a little closer to home, and uh, one of the food pantries that we support very strongly is the Community Center of Hope in Mosinee. And I just wanted to let you know, uh, they serve over 500 people a month at that food pantry, and they give out between somewhere between six and eight tons of food every month. And so that's a ministry right here locally that uh, we have been very involved with, uh, supporting them financially in another way. So I just think it's important to, uh, 
to realize that <coughs> we are in, involved, as Aaron mentioned earlier, in, in serving. And uh, this is really where we come to celebrate what God is doing in the life uh, of each of us and in our community. Well, this is the Christmas season. And last week we started with the genealogy right in the very beginning of the book of Matthew. And so I'm going to like to read beginning in verse 18 of the book of Matthew chapter 1. And this is what we find there. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, you all know what the story's like. We have, uh, some of you have manger scenes at home. How many of you have a manger scene at home? Okay, lots of us have manger scenes. So, you know, it's Mary and Joseph lovingly gazing into the, the manger, which is filled with straw. And there is this perfect child lying in the manger. There are animals quietly milling around the back. The shepherds are there in the background just gazing at the child. The wise men have brought their gifts. And it is a very surreal moment in history. The song even tells us that little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. So I guess the little baby was not even crying. Wouldn't that be great, young moms? Mary slept the whole first night. It's at least that's what the song would lead us to believe. Only the gentle bleeding of the sheep could be heard. And of course, there were no smoky fires to keep the couple warm. It was a beautiful, balmy, December, short-sleeved night. I wonder what would happen if we, if we manufactured a set of a nativity scene and Mary was completely exhausted. I mean, the look on her face was, she was just exhausted. You know, like, like somebody who had traveled on a donkey for three days and then been up with labor for several hours and just had a baby. And an and a, and a, and a expression on Joseph's face like, I mean, this guy was worried. Like, you know, like, like some guy who was just called to deliver a baby and had never done anything like that. <clears throat> and what if the... Uh, you know, 
what if the scene there, we had, we had straw that was covered with blood. There is blood, you know, with the birth of a, a new child, often lots of blood. And intermingled in the intermingled in the straw were little clumps of poop. We could sell that. And then there was a uh, there were shepherds who actually smelled because they hadn't bathed for days. And it was the couple was cold because it was a cold night. And the baby had red birthmarks on his face or maybe even a little cone head from the delivery. I wonder how well those would sell. One of the things I want us to see this Christmas season is is that these are real people and these are real live people like you and I and, and they experience the reality of life in maybe not so much a surreal way as a, a very, maybe even difficult way. Uh, this was a young mom who traveled several days. She was far away from home. She's having a baby in a strange city where she knows no one. She's already exhausted. I mean, imagine three days or so on a donkey. I mean, how do you sleep when you're nine months pregnant on the ground? And then all of, of labor, you know, I don't think, it doesn't say anywhere that, that God suspended the curse of the pain and, and difficulty of child labor here for Mary. I, it doesn't say this was a, an easy delivery. We can only assume that, that that was exhausting for her. She had no parents or family in the town, no one to take care of her, no one to share the news with, only some strange shepherds who probably had very little social etiquette and probably stayed way too long. And so you begin to you know, get the picture of, of this scene and what it was really like. Mary in a stable having her first baby with her first, with this inexperienced husband. It's cold, the ground is hard, we put hay in the manger, there's no way, that, there's no place that says anywhere that there was any straw or hay even around. And so it was a difficult night. We see it as a great night, but you know, Mary didn't see what we see. She didn't hear the choirs of angels out in, out in the fields. She didn't know that there were three wise men who were following a star and that there would be a star that one day would settle over the house where they were dwelling. She could not imagine that millions and millions of people for, for thousands of years would recall and read and celebrate what happened that night. She, she did not know all that like we know that. All she knew was that this was a special child. And she was really sore. And she was wishing, and Joseph was wishing they could be back home sleeping in their own bed. So let's just take a look at this couple this morning. Let's take a look at this couple. Um, do, we, do I have any 14 or 15-year-old girls here this morning? Is there any 14 or 15-year-old? All right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite, if you're, one of you is brave enough, I want you to just come up here a minute. I'm going to come down here. <clears throat> 
So is anyone brave enough to come up here? Okay, we got one. And I need a 19-year-old guy. All right. I think you got forced, Chris. I think you got pushed out of that aisle. So tell us your name. Oh, we got this on, Chris. All right. We got it on. Tell us your name. I'm Marin Donaldson. Marin and Chris Wise. Chris, okay. The, the reason I asked them to come up here was because, you know, if we were to guesstimate, this is probably very much what this young couple was like. And they were just ordinary people. Are you ordinary people? Would you consider yourself ordinary? Okay. If, if Christ came today, do you realize it could have been you too? We could have been reading the story of Marin and Chris. Instead of Mary and Joseph, Marin and Chris could have just as easily been the story. So, and if you're standing here and, and you're Mary, what are you thinking? I am about to have a child, not even the child, but the Son of God. Okay, and, and, the, and is that, what do you think about that? Well, I kind of feel like I'm saying something for a reporter, but... <laughs> <laughs> that would be me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so what kind of feeling does that give you? I must be somebody really special to okay. have such... Okay. So that's probably the first thought. What's interesting was that was kind of Mary's first thought when the angel came. Chris, what, what would you be thinking if you all of a sudden realized that you were going to be a father and this thing was like really kind of a strange story? What would you be thinking? Uh, I don't know how, but <laughs> okay. it happened. All right. It happened. You're here. I don't know how. And that... Um, you know, that, that's a reality of what it was probably like. Thanks, you guys can sit down. I appreciate that. <clears throat> Chris and Marin, do you like the ring of that? <clears throat> it could have been, it could have been Chris and Marin. These were just ordinary people. So let's just talk a little bit about them. There's Joseph. He's the guy. Luke says very little about Joseph, except that he went to Bethlehem and they were engaged. In Matthew 1, 19 and 20, and 24 and 25, we read those verses. Here's what we find out. Number one, Joseph was married to Mary. He was the husband of Mary. So we know that he, was, he became legally the husband of Mary. It tells us that he was a righteous man. Okay? He was a righteous man, verse 19. That means that Joseph was the kind of guy, uh, you know, he, he, was, he was a guy that respected the Jewish law and what was right and what was wrong, and so he was considered a, a righteous person. That's one thing we know about him in terms of his character. Uh, we believe that he was a compassionate man because one of the things that he had decided to do was to divorce her quietly. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about what that meant in a little bit. But he, uh, he made some sacrifices, some significant sacrifices in order to divorce her quietly as he was thinking. That was his thought process. And divorce was not an option for him. And, and I'll tell you why in a minute. He was an obedient man because when the angel came and spoke to him, he did what the angel told him despite, despite the implications of that 
in his life. And then lastly, we see that he was, he was certainly a self-controlled man. It says that he had no union with his wife for those nine months until she was, gave birth to the child. From the genealogy, we learn that his mom's first husband had died. His name was Heli, and that Jacob was his natural father. We, we would speculate, according to the Mishnah, which is Jewish tradition, most Jewish males married between the ages of 18 and 20. So he's probably about Chris's age, about 19 right in there. Uh, we know that, that when Joseph popped the question that he had to give his wife's family a significant amount of money, it's called a dowry, and so that was something that he would have had to have already given to her family. We also know that an engagement was considered like a legal marriage, and in order to break an engagement, you had to, you had to deal with uh, legal divorce papers. It was seen in the same way. Something that is not speculation is that when, when Joseph heard the news, his desire was to, to end the engagement and to divorce her. The reason that he was going to do that was because he was a righteous man. And in those days, a man whose wife had committed adultery, if he were to continue on with her, would be considered one who would remain as with a prostitute. That was how it was viewed. And so uh, when the scripture says that divorce was allowed in the case of adultery, we find that that was completely legitimate to divorce a, uh, for a man to divorce his wife on the grounds of adultery. Not only was it acceptable, it was the right thing to do. So that was his plan, <clears throat> and uh, we know that from the text. Joseph's <clears throat> decision was not if he would divorce Mary. His decision was how. And <clears throat> here's the deal. In order to get the dowry back, number one, <clears throat> in order to get the dowry back, he would have to divorce her publicly. So if he chose to divorce her quietly, it means all of the money that he had given to Mary's family would not be returned to him. Secondly, if he did this quietly, it would not become public necessarily information, and the rumors would continue, and he would not clear his name. So there were both financial and reputation issues here in not publicly doing a divorce. Also, he was wanted to spare Mary this. Uh, he wanted to spare Mary this public humiliation. And in those days, what would have happened to Mary if Joseph had decided to divorce her is that she would have been brought before the Sanhedrin. The charges would have been leveled. Normally, this would not have happened to Mary, but normally if she had not been pregnant, she would have been forced to drink what they called a bitter water, which is really a kind of a poison. And a woman would drink that, and uh, her abdomen would swell, her eyes would swell, her face would become yellow. If those symptoms did not occur, then they would consider uh, the woman innocent because God had obviously intervened. But in this case, Mary would not have gone through that, but she would have been charged on the testimony of the fact that she was pregnant. And uh, 
She would have been dressed in black. She would have been brought to the city gate and her dress would have been rent and her breasts would have been bared before the public and she would have been humiliated in front of the Jewish people. And so in this situation, Joseph decided he would let the money go and he would not put her up to this public scorn. However, we see then that Joseph had the dream and he is willing at that point to put his reputation on the line. He marries her and I'm sure the talk of the town went around. He did not file divorce. He took her as his wife. We find that by the time of Jesus' ministry that Joseph appears no longer to be around. And so he had most likely died. Uh, he would have been around 50 years of age probably, and that was beyond the average Jewish male life expectancy, which was somewhere between uh, around 45 years of age at that time. So that's a little bit about Joseph. <clears throat> In terms of Mary, we know that uh, there's more written about Mary. Mary was the wife of Joseph. The Mishnah tells us that a Jewish girl could be, uh, could be, began the betrothal experience as early as the 12 years of age. Doesn't mean she was married at 12, but the, sometimes the betrothal experience would take a couple of years or so. So it was not uncommon, however, at the age of 14, 15 years of age for a gal to be married. Mary was a very popular name. Mary Magdalene, there were lots of them. Mary Magdalene, the woman that had seven devils. There was Mary and Martha. There was Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, who was a sister. There's Mary, the mother of Mark. There was Mary of Rome, who was uh, a gal that helped out Paul in ministry. Uh, she was of the tribe of Judah and the line of David, as the Old Testament had prophesied the Messiah would come. She had four sons and several other daughters besides Christ. Some would refute that, but I'll talk about that in a minute. She was a godly woman. We see that because she was submissive to God's will when the angel came. And, uh, you know, very much like Myron's response, her response was, I mean, there were so many implications of, of being pregnant at that time, but, but she was over, the predominant thought was her that this was a very, very special honor that God had given to her. There are traditions out there that teach that Mary was sinless, that she was a virgin her entire life, that she didn't have any other children. You say, well, how is that explained when, you know, the scripture says that, that Mary and Jesus' brothers came at one point? Uh, it is explained in a couple ways. One is that Joseph came into the marriage with other children, that his wife had died. The Apocrypha, uh, Apocryphal, one of the Apocryphal books says that Moses, or that, um, excuse me, Joseph was 90 years old when he and Mary got together, and that God preserved his life to the age of 111, that he already had children and a family, so some would explain it that way. Some say that the word brothers really doesn't mean brothers, it means kin, so it could have been his cousins and so forth. However, we take, I take the scripture just at face value and uh, that there were other children in this that came out of this relationship. I do not believe and I don't 
believe there's anywhere the Bible teaches uh, that Mary was either sinless or childless other than Christ. And so <clears throat> these are things that are based on tradition, not on what we would find uh, in the scripture. The birth of Jesus Christ was very unique. He was conceived, I believe, egg and sperm of God himself. I don't believe, we know that Joseph was not involved. Some believe that Mary, you know, it was Mary, the egg from Mary that was, uh, that became the child of Christ. I personally don't necessarily believe that, but none of us can really know for sure what that was. We do know this, however, that this child that was born, this one named Jesus, did not have the same sin nature that you and I have. And so, as the scripture says, Jesus is called the second Adam. And so, God creates the first man. The first man, Adam, did not have a sinful nature. He had the capacity to sin, but he was not, the first Adam did not have a sinful nature. When Adam sinned, from that point on, every human being, every man and every woman who's ever been born is born with that sinful nature. Uh, David said, you know, my mother in sin, my mother conceived me. We all are born with that tendency to sin. If you ever had a baby, you'll find out it doesn't take very long for that to show itself. And so we see here that Jesus is called the second Adam. And so Jesus Christ was born as the first Adam, with not a sinful nature, with the uh, possibility to sin, but lived a sinless life. And so we see that this was a unique child that was growing up in Mary at that time. Mary was the vehicle, the instrument, but I don't believe that she was the source of this one that we call Jesus Christ. Now, we get glimpses of Mary along the way. Um, we see them in the temple when Jesus was there, and they came and they said, Jesus, you know, why, why are you here? And he said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? Uh, then we see Mary at the wedding, and she comes up to her son, and she said, Jesus, why don't you? Evidently, she knew he had some powers because they were out of wine, and she said, Jesus, why don't you provide the wine? And uh, Jesus said, you know, he said, woman, it's not, my, it's not my time yet. And so there was some kind of knowledge here that Mary had of, of Jesus at that time. We, we have that encounter with, with, with Jesus and his mother. Uh, the next time we have the encounter is when Jesus is at a home and the family shows up and they have seen the things he's doing and they realize he's, he's, it's getting very dangerous and his life is on the line and they're saying, Jesus... Uh, the text says that they thought he was, he was starting to lose it. They said, you've, you've lost your mind. You need to come away with us. And Jesus rebuked them at that point. The next time we see Mary is a place that's hard to imagine. And she's, she's at the foot of a cross. And, I mean, just imagine the excitement that Mary had hearing that she, this Messiah the one who would come and would, who would sit on the throne of David and become this great leader of Israel, and now she's staying there and he's being crucified in front of her eyes on a cross. I mean, that, 
the scripture said, and it was prophesied that a, a sword would pierce her heart, and that must have been what it felt like as she stood at the foot of the cross. She's told at that point by Jesus that she's to go with John once he's gone. And uh, you you might say, why not her family? And we don't know the reason for that, except at this point, remember that Jesus' brothers uh, did not believe. They were not believers at this time. As Jesus was there, the cross. And so it, it must have been some terrible terrible, terrible days immediately following that scene at the cross. But then there's one more scene. You know where that scene is? Do you remember that? Probably not. You probably missed it. Uh, Most of us missed it. It's very short, but let me just read it for you. One more scene with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, 13 and 14. Okay, actually, Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read from. It says, uh, they arrived at the upper room. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, And Simon, Judas, son of James, and they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In the upper room, as believers, waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Less than two months. Less than two months. And so... This is, a, this is an amazing scene here because here they are, the whole family together. They've seen Jesus alive. The brothers have believed. They've come to place their faith in Christ and they're all together. This is just an amazing transformation that took place in this family. It, it's easy to miss, but, but what a beautiful picture that is that we are given. And the text adds, and I think it adds for a reason, and Mary and his brothers. Well, here's what I'd like us to see this morning. There's something that happened to Mary and Joseph that happens to us when we open up our lives to being used by God like Mary and Joseph did here in this situation. You know, you you get the sense that that these are pretty responsible people, that Joseph was a a pretty organized uh, kind of a guy, people who would certainly plan ahead and follow through on things. And and they are in love. Okay? They're in love. They have plans. They're, They're thinking of, you know, an outdoor wedding next summer and bridesmaids and music and... Maybe we'll hold off on the kids for a couple years until we get the house built. And, and then all of a sudden, they experience life and an unplanned pregnancy. A pregnancy they had nothing to do with. And, and maybe in some ways it would have been easier. 
But now we're dealing with angels and dreams and stories that nobody would even believe. Things that they could hardly believe and they were experiencing it, you know, themselves. I mean, a baby conceived of the Holy Spirit, a virgin having a baby, the Son of God. I mean, on the one hand, this was an amazing, amazing thing that God would bless them this way. On the other hand, it just... It just blew apart everything in their life that they had planned. And life would never be the same. They'd, they'd find themselves, you know, just imagine what they planned, you know. Baby at home, your parents there, baby shower, family and friends congratulating you, all this. And where are they? They're in a strange city. They don't know a soul. They're all alone. It's just Joseph. I mean, this was so different. They paid a price. They paid a price for opening their lives up to be used of God. And so their lives were never the same. No outdoor wedding, no honeymoon, no romantic wedding night, no baby shower, no mother staying with you for a week. Their reputation's down the toilet. They, the rumor's everywhere. And they're running for their lives in a short period of time from Herod, going again to a strange country. Let's not forget the reality of these people's lives when we look at that surreal manger scene. This is not how they plan their lives to go. And maybe you're saying, wow, that kind of sounds like my life. And not in the exact same way, but maybe your life has not gone the way you planned for your life to go. Maybe... Uh, you know, maybe there are things that just don't make sense to you. But if you surrender your lives to God's purposes, you will end up, metaphorically speaking, with an unplanned pregnancy. God will take you to places that you probably didn't plan on going, things that you never asked for. And so there's this strange, this strange thing about about following God and, and, and having the most amazing promises in your life and, and feeling so privileged that God would choose you and yet at the same time experiencing often very difficult things in our lives. I want to I conclude here with just a reading from... It's written by John Blase in his book, Recapturing the Wonder of Christmas. And it's, it's written from uh, Joseph's perspective. And uh, as I conclude the dad, I'd like to read, read this. Do you know who reminds me of myself these days? Old Job the faithful. Old Job the sufferer. He had lived according to the will of the mighty one, yet all was taken away. I too had lived by the commandments. No one had forced me. It was my decision, yet all of it seemed taken away. Before that dream, I had other dreams, uh, dreams without angels in them, visions of Mary and children. The children would grow strong and devout. Mary and I would ease into our older years. We'd live a well-ordered life. 
And then all those dreams were snatched away. In the days just after Mary confirmed what I'd been told, I thought of the line from Job's drama, Curse God and die. If you did not believe there were moments when that invitation was tempting, then you make me out to be something I'm not. I'm not an angel or one of the lesser gods. I am a man. And this was not the life I planned. But curse the Almighty? I could not. My ordered life, a memory. The control I'd worked so long to establish, gone. In truth, it may have never been, but I thought it was. I I lived like it was. My reputation among family and friends, stained forever. What kind of story was this I had fallen into? But to curse the Mighty One, I, I would not. For I'd had that dream. A carpenter works with what he can see and feel, a corner angle and a heft of wood, but here I was chasing a dream. The afternoon of my life looked nothing like the morning. So on to Bethlehem it was. We had known the census was coming, but the timing was terrible. We were there, Mary went into labor, it was time. In that moment of my dreams, of always being able to provide for my wife, they were snatched away as well. I could not even find a decent place for her to deliver the child. Voices of shame raged against me almost daily. You're just a carpenter, Joseph. Who are you to accompany the only begotten Son of God? He's not even your son. Why are you walking away from all you've built just because of a dream? You must know how I tried, but there were things I could not make happen. I can make about anything, but wood is not the medium of the Almighty. No room. We have no room. What? Are are you blind? Do you not see all the people? Look, son, I see your need. There is room in my stable. It's all I can offer you. Take it. You should have made better plans. I am dismayed by the way the night is remembered. There are those who tell the story as if it were a production, a staged affair. That is blasphemous. It was no production. It was a birth. I was scared. She was scared. He was Mary's first. I had witnessed cattle being born, but never a child. There were no bright lights. The animals did not move on cue. No one sang. He came as all men came, bathed in the life blood of his mother, His conception was divine. His birth was of the earth. And it was my responsibility, one of the few things I could do. I raised the knife and freed him from her. I, Joseph the carpenter, released the Son of the Almighty One into the world. My knife was dull. It took two tries. The blood from the cord wet my forearms. So much blood. So much blood. She wrapped him as if she had wrapped newborns before, but she was exhausted. Joseph, I must rest. Here, take him. The scriptures say that God blessed Job's life later more than his earlier life. He ended up with sheep, camels, oxen, donkeys, sons and daughters and grandchildren. I could only hope my story would conclude like that of the old sufferer. The dream I had chased had my back against a stable wall, my fiancé asleep in a blood-red hay, 
skittish sheep and oxen as onlookers, and my hands filled with a sun, not my own. O mighty one, this is not the life I planned. I had heard your ways were not our ways, but I really had no idea. The road I hoped to be straight has been a crooked little path. The hopes and dreams of my youth have faded. But there is something now that remains, something truer about me and about you. This is not the life I planned. But I thank you for my life. Father, this morning, this story challenges us. And I'm just going to think that most of the people sitting here as they look back, maybe not all, but most of us here, would say life was not how I planned it. And uh, Father, you have a unique way of taking the hardships in our lives, those that come from outside, and Lord, even the hardships that we create ourselves, you have a way of taking them and transforming them and using them. And, And we see what you did through Mary and Joseph and through their obedience to you and through, yes, the difficulty of their life, through, through the shattered dreams of their life, you did something amazing in bringing salvation to the world. Father, might we have the faith to believe that today, despite circumstances around us that we may not understand, that you are a God, a Savior, who is at work so, Father, might we, as, as we may not understand this life, Lord, may we by faith thank you for it and believe that, that in this tapestry that you're weaving that sometimes doesn't make sense, that you are creating something which we will look back on one day and, and just be amazed at what you have done. Father, thank you for the message of Christmas. Thank you for the coming of Christ. Thank you for the life that can be ours today through Jesus. And uh, Lord, we just give you praise today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.